Thank you for listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you are. For more information about South Metro Ministries, please visit smmcog.com. Do you love the Lord tonight? Amen. It is glad that have y'all grown since I've been here last. Last time I felt like a sardine. Now I feel like the last deer I killed. I got a light in my eyes. Amen. I'm kidding, deer hunters. I'm kidding. Amen. It's an honor to be here with your great pastor. Amen. I'm glad he told us this church is a non-profit church. Amen. When it comes to the Broncos. It's an honor for Debbie and I to be here. I'm looking so forward to being with you, but you didn't come for that. Let's get in the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, reach for the book for your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Esther. How many of you know the Bible teaches us a lot of things? Can somebody help me? Amen. I believe it shows us two paths that we can follow. One leads to humility. The other one leads to humiliation. Are you still in the building with me? Amen. A lot of times we, the church, we, we act like we're beating up the devil when, when we're not growing. And, and I, I, I see people say all the time, I'm walking on the devil, and, but yet men marry men in our nation. We, 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 we talk about how, how we got great victory, and I believe in victory in Jesus singing all the time. But then we look around, I, I, one of my members came in today, said they read an article that a man married his dog in California. Married his dog in California. We are a nation of in God we trust. And I believe that we, the church, need to look at ourselves and say, okay, God, here we are. I know this Bible's full of a lot of good stuff. This Bible tells me I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed coming out. This Bible tells me I'm the head and I'm not, I'm the, I'm not the tail. This Bible tells me no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This, this Bible tells me greater he that's in me than he that's in the Lord. But the Bible also tells me when I face tribulation. All that live godly shall face persecution. Uh-oh, I would, if I wrote the Bible, I'd tear that out. Can somebody help me? Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about a simple thought. I, and I hope I relate. I've already listened to your pastor up here and, and the music and the, all the songs that were sung. I believe that I am, when well, he called me and asked me to come and he told me who else was going to be preaching this week. I said, why would you invite a mule to the Kentucky Derby? I don't understand that. Amen. But almost immediately God spoke to me with this message to preach for this night. I want to talk to you simply about when the enemy advances. When the enemy, that's not a faith message. Oh, yes, it is. When the enemy advances. I've been doing this thing now for, I've been saved, let me think. I've been saved 23 years. No, I've been saved 24 years, been preaching 23 years. I almost got that backwards. I think the first year I preached, I wasn't really saved. Amen. And I have found out there's times in my life and seasons in my life where it seems like the enemy is advancing over me. Well, let's look at this. In the book of Esther, chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 and verse 2. I want to read down in verse 10 and verse 11. If you're there, would you say amen? Oh, come on. I know you're there. It's on the screen. Amen. Esther, chapter 3, verse 1. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of, Habet, of Judy. We'll call him Judy. Amen. The Agagite. And advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not. 
nor did him reference. Go all the way down to verse 10. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Judy, the Agite, the Jews' enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, and the people also, to do with them as it seems good unto thee. Father, I ask you, God, to anoint us. Lord, there's absolutely nothing we can do with our flesh here tonight. God, oh, Lord, uh, the way this choir, the way this congregation has worshipped you, your presence is here. We're guaranteed by the word. Now, Father, I'm asking you, God, to speak through me. Use me as a hammer to drive a nail with, a mailman to deliver a message. But, God, I pray when we leave this place, we remember and we can say that we had been the presence of one greater than we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor down the eye. Say, if you weren't here, I'd be the best-looking person in this building. Amen. You may be seated. I love to read the stories in the Bible. The story of Esther, and there's a movie came out not long ago about, about Esther, but the story of Esther is awesome. It tells us what can happen, how we can change, amen, with just one night in the king's presence. I don't know about you, but that just does something to me. Amen. You see, Esther was a little orphan girl. We read that in Esther chapter 2, verse 7, if you will. He brought up Hadessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. She was raised by her cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took foot for his own daughter. Here Esther is. She is an orphan. Her mom and dad are dead. But not only is she an orphan, she is a slave, if you will. She is a slave raised by a cousin that is also a slave. They are considered inferior people, and she is an orphan amongst the inferior people, if you will. But if you read the rest of that story in chapter 2, you find that she prepared herself to spend one night in the king's presence. It wasn't something she just woke up late and decided to do. It wasn't something she just hurried up to do because they didn't have a ball game that night. It wasn't something she decided to do because her favorite TV show wasn't on. It wasn't something that she that she decided to do because no, nothing else was there to do. She prepared herself to be in the presence of the king. If you study that, you'll find that she soaked in oil. She soaked in perfume. She soaked in precious ointments, if you will, for up to a year before she ever came into the presence of the king. Let me stop right there and say something. Too many times we as a church today, we come in without that reference and respect to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We're not coming into the presence of a rock star tonight. We're not coming into the presence of a TV a TV icon. I, the next, next Wednesday night, I got Eric Estrada coming to my church to show us a movie and talk to us. I like chips. Amen. Man. But I'm coming in the press of one bigger than Eric Estrada. I'm coming in the press of one greater than our President Obama. I'm coming in the one that's greater than that Peyton guy. What's his name? I forget. Amen. I come into the presence of someone that's greater than any preacher, that's greater than any politician, that's greater than any prophet, that's greater than any healer, that's greater than any banker, that's greater than... Oh. See, Jesus, I'm coming in the presence of one, and I need to act like I'm coming into the presence of the king. Can somebody help me? Amen. 
We find that when she came, this orphan girl, look at verse 17, and the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashtai. Good God Almighty. Here she was, a little orphan girl. Here she was, a little slave girl. But now she is the queen of the whole nation. Just because she spent just 10 verses of the Bible, she spent one time, one night in the presence of the king. Oh, I need to tell y'all something. I was a nuclear powerhouse welder. I was a hog farmer. I had a farm. I had a lot of things going for me. But listen, I was absolutely nothing. Till the third night of April 1989, and I walked into an altar, or walked into a church, and came down to an altar, and fell down in the presence of one greater than I am. I immediately went from who I was to who he died for me to be. I am a son of the almighty God. I am a child of the king. I'm sanctified, baptized on my way to heaven. Because of him, I can do all things. Can somebody help me? Amen. Wow. God had positioned her where he wanted her to be. If you read the whole book of Esther, you'll find that she was used to the preservation of God's people. She was actually used to save the ancestors of my Jesus. But just like everyone that is positioned by God, she had an enemy. And Haman was his name. He wanted all the Jews killed. He wanted to stop our Jesus forever coming to the face of this earth. We find this in, in chapter 3 of the book of Esther. If you look at verse 6, look at this. He thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shown him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. Look down at verse 13 right quick. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and, and old, the old, the little children, and the women in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Look at this enemy, Haman. He was set out. He said he, man, he had it in order. He had it planned to kill. He had it planned to destroy. He had it planned to steal, to rob them, kill the old, kill the children, kill the women, and take everything they got of the spoil. I'm going to tell you something. The New Testament tells us, New Testament tells us this, that the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's describing the enemy here of Haman. Here we go got Esther. She went from being an orphan. She went from being homeless. She went from being a slave. She went from being bound to being the queen with the crown upon her head. But now we see this enemy, this enemy that she had. Now listen close because this is where the message really starts making sense. This enemy that sought to kill her. This enemy that sought to destroy. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. This enemy that sought to, to rip her apart. This enemy that sought to take her crown away. This enemy that sought to, to demote her from being what the king had promoted her to be. Now we read this story. Look at it again. This enemy had been promoted. Look at what it says. Look at what it says in Esther chapter 3 verse 1. After these things, the king promoted Haman, the Agite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the other princesses that were with him. 
Now look at verse 10 again. And the king took off his ring. You know what that meant? That means the king was giving him all the authority of the king. And listen to what he told him. All the money you've got control over, all the people you've got control over, I'm promoting you, I'm advancing you, and I'm giving you the authority of the king. Wait a minute. That's not the kind of story that we like to read. We like to shout about going from a slave to a queen. But what about this Haman guy that now has been given authority to kill the queen and everything that she had and to take away everything that she owned. Oh, good God Almighty, I hope that you're getting what I'm saying this morning. There's times in your life, if you're living for God, that it seems like the enemy is being advanced. It'll seem like that you're losing. It'll seem like you might as well give up. It'll seem like it was better off before I started living for God. You'll say things like this. I've said it. Oh, God, maybe I'm the only one in the room that's ever said it. I've told Debbie, let's sell all my suits, let's get me some welding shirts and let me go back to the nuclear plant. See, I was a welder at the nuclear plant. I used to tell everybody I can weld a cocoa bottle to a pine tree. I was so good, amen. But hear me, there's times that I thought, God, I didn't have these kind of problems. I didn't have these kind of problems before I got saved. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I, I work with a thousand people at the nuclear plant and all of them love me. They all of them like me. I'm going to tell you, I've got that many enemies now that I'm a preacher. And they don't even know why they don't like me. Are you still, how can anybody not like me? Amen. But watch this and watch it close. Those times that it seems the enemy's advancing. Too many of us, we get around super spiritual people. Are you still in the building with me? Give me a couple of folks right here. Come here, brother, that sang so good. Come here, brother, that looks so good. Come here, come here, come here. I was talking about you looking good and him singing good. Amen, amen, amen. We get around people that lift your hands in praise. We get around people that are praising God. We get around people that are saying, boy, I'm walking on the devil. We get around people that are saying, boy, God's blessed me. Boy, I paid my tithe last week and I got a new car. I sent $100 to TBN and I got a new house. <laughs> if you've got that kind of faith, you can write the check out to George Moxley Ministries <laughs> right now. We look around and say, wow, his kids is going to college. Keep, keep your hands up. His kids, all my kids are going to college. Boy, my wife loves me. Woo, she, she makes my teeth sweat. Amen. Everything is good with my marriage. Everything is good with my business. But here I am. I paid my tithes and they come got my truck. I, I come to Sunday school and my wife gets meaner and meaner every day. Not really, I'm acting this out, amen. I, I, I come to church every Sunday and my daughter's on drugs. I come to church every Sunday and my son just robbed a Jiffy store. I come to church every Sunday and my dog got run over. I come to church every Sunday, this man drives a Ford. I drive a Dodge. I do everything they're doing, but it seems like I'm going nowhere. And this is what happens in the church. And I know it ain't happening here, but this is what happens in the church. I feel like I'm by myself. And then you'll have these super duper waddy whopper people that'll say, well, if you've done this, 
you wouldn't be going through that. My wife, my wife's got rheumatoid arthritis in her hands. I had one of them super duper women come up to me one time and say, if you believe, if you had faith in God, your wife wouldn't have rheumatoid arthritis. I looked at her and I said, well, if you've got faith in God, it won't hurt if I busted your nose, would it? Somebody ought to help me. We say the stupidest things in the world. I lost my son. I shared that with y'all last time I was here. Three years ago, I lost my son. And people come telling me all kind of, if they'd have one more person quoted Romans 8, 28 to me, I believe I'd have shot him right between the eyes. Are you still with me? Amen. I remember one guy come up to me, well, brother God, God needed another rose in his garden. I looked at the person, I said, well, maybe he'll need a sack of manure tomorrow and you'll die. <laughs> Got to fertilize them roses, you know, amen. The point I'm trying to make out here is this. Oftentimes we get the blessing and the testifying and all these things is good, but then we point our fingers at, whoa, down here was me. You don't know that I'm doing the same thing you're doing, but the enemy that I'm fighting is being advanced. And so we pull ourselves over and we separate ourselves and we give up on doing the things that we used to do because if I done them right, the enemy, then we find ourselves under a juniper tree with one woman running us off and saying, God, just kill me. There ain't nothing else I can do, but I believe God has sent me by here tonight to show you something that there's come times when the enemy is advancing but when the enemy's advancing God's got a plan y'all can be seated wow tonight I want us to look what happens when the enemy advances the first thing I want to show you is Esther knew her enemy was being promoted she didn't fake it she didn't say everything was all right when everything wasn't all right. I, there was an evangelist in South Georgia years ago. He, man, he was the most booked evangelist there was. You could see him say, man, how's it going? I'm walking on the devil. Walking on the devil. He even wrote the devil's name on the bottom of his shoe. I'm walking on the devil. I had to sit on two trial boards of that guy because he couldn't leave women that he wasn't married to alone. But he was walking, now he can't even get, now he don't preach at all. But the whole time he was going through that, he was trying to fake it. If one can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. So if I confess your faults, one, notice he said one, don't get up and confess your faults to everybody. Everybody can't handle it. Everybody may have a two-faced book and say something about you. But confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails a whole bunch. But she knew her enemy was being advanced. Now let me clear something up. Enemy ain't always people. 
Sometimes enemy, listen, sometimes enemy can be sickness, a lack of resources, or even your flesh. Sometimes the enemy can be circumstances, but sometimes it can be people. Are you still with me? Wait a minute, my Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the, oh, that enemy sure does use a lot of flesh and blood. I'm not the preacher that said I'm two services away from a great breakthrough. All I got to do is preach two funerals and we'll have it around here. Amen. What I'm trying to tell you is this. You're going to have enemies if you're serving God. If you're not serving enemies, it's because you're not serving God. Let me just, I feel like I need to say this. Is this okay? Y'all got Tim Hill coming tomorrow night. My God. Tim Hill and Jonathan, I can't remember his name. Jonathan you can't spell sugar without UGA. He'll say that, amen. He'll say that Saturday. And he'll be 20 minutes late getting here too, amen. Praise God. I might not preach good as him, but I was on time, amen, amen. I love to deer hunt. Any deer hunters in here? Any deer hunters? Yeah, we got a few. I love to deer hunt. There's a buck in my county. He's the third largest buck in our whole entire county. He's only an eight point, but he'll score over 140, Boone and Crockett, and that's good for coastal deer. Son, he's bad. He'll weigh 200 pounds. He's got 12-inch G2s. He's got 24-inch main beams. Now, I love to hunt. Hunted this last year. I spent a lot of money on hunting. I give $1,000 to get on my hunting club. I buy bullets, I buy, I buy lure, I mean, I buy, I'm not going to tell you what kind of lure I buy, amen, Whew. but if Debbie smelled like that, I sure wouldn't chase her, can somebody help me, amen, I buy tree stands, I do all kind, I plant food plots, I do all this, but I did not spend one penny trying to kill that one big buck, not one penny, you want to know why I didn't spend nothing on him, because I already killed him, he's hanging on the wall in my office, because I already got him, I put no forth any effort to get him. The people that I find that don't fight the devil is because he's already got their head on the wall in his office. Eight people clap. That means I got a lot of heads to preach to tonight. Amen. She admitted, she understood that her enemy was being promoted. Now watch this. Just because she understood it, she did not get defeat. This is what she found out. When God gets ready to promote you, oh Lord, I feel the, I don't, man, I'm telling you, there's the Holy Ghost in this building. When the, when God gets ready to promote you, He will introduce you to an enemy that you've never met. David never knew who Goliath was until God got ready to promote him to being king. And here's the point. God matches your enemy to the size of your destiny. It was because Goliath was a giant that David was made king. Are you still with me? It was because David was a giant David, they didn't run around singing, David killed a midget, David killed a midget. No, David killed a giant. And because he killed a giant, 
His destiny was way bigger than, let me just read you a scripture in the book of Romans. Put it on the screen. The book of Romans chapter 8. Now this is verse 29. You know verse 28. All things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. But look at verse 29. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, God has this big destiny. Follow me here. God has this big destiny that he wants us to get. But before we get there, we're going to be introduced to an enemy that tries to keep us from it. And we need to quit praying for God to downsize our enemy. Because when we pray for him to downsize our enemy, we're asking him to downsize our destiny. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't fight this battle anymore. God says, okay, let me shrink your enemy. But in the process of shrinking your enemy, I'm going to shrink your destiny. I can't have kings being kings because they stepped on a midget. I can't have people playing in the big leagues where it's still trying to hit the ball off the tee. I can't. I believe if we quit asking God to get us out of this mess and start praying to God, get us through this mess. I believe we would see more Christians living in the, oh my God, in the will that God has for their life. Is this making sense? Amen. The enemy gets bigger as you get closer. Uh-oh. Little sister right here, will you come help me preach just a minute? Will you help me preach? If you don't mind, come here and help me. I just picked you out because you, you were short, not as tall as the others. Amen. Come here just a minute. Come here. Give me another short. Anybody else kind of short up here? No? Everybody's kind of tall? Give me, give me somebody else that's kind of that's short. Come here. Who are you pointing at? Who are you pointing at? Come here, buddy. Come here. Come here. Come here, man. With the, come here. Run. 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 Run, lady with the red jacket. Get up here. Hurry. 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 Come stand right here. Come stand right here. Chief. Chief, you mind helping me? You don't mind helping me? No, 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 not you, chief. The real chief. Amen. <laughs> you stand right here, if you will. Y'all step this way a little bit, but stay about that far apart. I want to show you something. Come up here. Come up here just a little bit. Now, I want to show you this. David, before he got to his destiny, before he got to here, before he got to the place, come here, senior man. Come here, hurry, senior man. You, the guy that's saying, amen. Come here, hurry, hurry, hurry. Before, you're going to be Jesus now, amen. Before he could get to the place where the anointer could anoint him, that's where he's at. Before that happened, here David is. He's sent on the backside of the desert, and he's taking care of a few sheep. A bear came and took that sheep. He come and he fought that bear. Now, this lady may know Jiu-Jitsu and karate and all that. But if you look up here at a glance, you would think I would be able to whip her because I'm. I got this atlas body, you know. I told my wife, don't I look like an atlas? She said, yeah, a road atlas. Amen. <laughs> Looks like I could probably whip. And he, so he fought the bear. And all he got out of it was a lamb. 
he fought a lion. Are you still with me? But all he got out of it was a lamb. Now listen to me. He fought a small, a bear's big, but he defeated the bear and he got a lamb. He defeated the lion and he got a lamb. But now, uh-oh. Now if you looked up here and thought, chief about to cut his head off. Chief probably packing. Are you still with me? I don't even have a knife on me right now. Amen. Here he is. Now, David could have said, uh-uh, I ain't fighting that big a giant. Let me go back here and just keep rescuing sheep. But look what happened. He whipped a bear and got a lamb. He whipped a lion and got a lamb. Now he's up against a Goliath. Now, hear me close. When you get here, oh, me. When you get here, you'll be tempted to use some tactics that you've never used before because you're fighting an enemy you've never seen before. Notice what happened. Saul came to him. Now remember David. David's just a little bitty feller. He's what, 12 years old. He's a little ruddy boy. Bible said he looked good. He was probably, his last name was probably Moxley. Amen. I don't know. You don't know it wasn't? I, I don't know it was, but we're just going to say Amen. But watch this now. Whenever he got ready to fight that bigger giant, look what happened. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here he is. He done whipped the bear. He whipped the bear and got a lamb. He whipped the lion and got a lamb. But now he's about to fight Goliath. Look at this scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look what happened. Saul came up to him and said, I want you to use my... Saul said unto David with his armor. He came to David. He armed David with his armor. Now remember, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. And David was a 12-year-old boy. So the, the armor that would fit Saul, David's looking out the belly button hole. Can you see, hear me? Amen. And look, and Saul armed David with his armor. And he put a helmet of brass. My God, David can't even hold his head up. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go because he said this, I haven't proved this. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these things for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. But you still listen to me. David put them off, but David let them put him on. David was tempted to try something that he hadn't proved. When you get here, a lot of times people will say, I'm just fighting a giant so big, I need to find me a new church. I need to go see a, a, count, a secular counselor. I need to go get a movie on 14 ways to kill this giant. I got, but no, nah, David said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I fought the bear and I won with what God gave me. I fought the lion and I won with the things God gave me. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like that bear and that lion. In other words, when I fought this giant, I prayed and I fasted and I whipped that giant. When I got this giant, I praised, I prayed, I fasted, and I whipped this giant. Don't quit doing what brought you here. The same thing that got him here was what he used in them other battles. And guess what? This one fell too. He whipped a bear and got a lamb. He whipped a lion and got a lamb. He whipped a giant and delivered an army. Then he whipped an army and got a kingdom. I don't know about you, but I say, God, let's graduate. Let's graduate.
Y'all can be seated. That's the reason the disciples would say, you ought to praise him when you're persecuted. When, when they call the disciples in and whip them, they'd leave shouting, my God, something's good about to happen. They just whipped me bad. Well, let's go on. Amen. When the enemy looks bigger, you'll be tempted to change tactics. Esther knew her enemy was being promoted. But look at point two now. Esther had been positioned. Look at Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and verse 14. Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the other Jews. For if altogether you hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise from the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows, we all can quote this part, who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther knew her enemy was being promoted, but Esther realized that she was being positioned. Now I hope you, I know I'm, I, I, I was reluctant. Your pastor helped me out a lot. Because naturally, when you're preaching behind Tim Hill, holy cow, Tim Hill's the best preacher in the world. Next to Alan Matura and Dale Dyer. Amen, praise God. He's one of the greatest. So you want to go through and pick your top ten. Every preacher's got a top ten. A preacher that says he ain't got a top ten is because he ain't preached but eight times. God, let me preach this one. Let me preach this one. Let me preach this one. No, 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 no. I learned the hard way. Don't you preach what God don't tell you to preach. If you do, it'll just be a little song and a sermon and a show. Your pastor helped me. When he said this, I said, man, you got Tim Hill and Jonathan Ziegler? He said, and listen to me. He told me what he told y'all on the phone. He said, if you don't be George Moxie, I'll get up and call you down. I'd hate for this man to call me down. Man can build a church like this, call me down. That would be ugly. Can somebody help me? Amen. You know what I'd do? I'd get down if he called me down. Amen. But hear me and hear me close. When God showed me this, he said, no, there's some people need to be taught some things uh, as well as preached to tonight. So you got to see what I'm, I'm trying to show you here. When God, God sometimes prepositions us. Sometimes, oh, Lord, I need your help again. I need some help again. Come here, brother. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. No, just you. Just you. Just you. Just you to start with. Come here. Y'all don't mind me using y'all, do you? I, I'll split the offering with you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Sometimes God, he positions us. Hear me, hold, hold you, put your fist up like you're going to hit somebody. Put your fist, here, spread your legs like, like, there you go, like you're getting ready to fight. Come on, get ready, get ready. Sometimes God, he sets us up. He's got the fist right, got on the breastplate, got on the, yeah, feet shod, you're right. And then this is what God does. He gets us all ready, and then God, Don't, 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 stay right there. Sometimes God positions us and it seems like he leaves us. It could be, let me show you a scripture now. I just take the Bible for what it says. I think God's smart enough to say what he means I mean what he says. Listen, oftentimes God don't bring you to where there's favor. You see, a lot of times we... And I'm not preaching at anybody here. I just, I'm talking about South Georgia people right now. 
A lot of times we, get back in your stance. A lot of times we, we make it about us. And, and sometimes it ain't about us. Sometimes God puts us in a place not to bless us, but to bless the place he put us. The anointing ran down the beard of Aaron and dripped on the ground. Wherever Aaron was, there was a blessing. I shared this little story, and I probably shouldn't share it. Before we came out here, I shared it to the chief. I was on my way to the hospital the other day. I live in Jessup in Savannah, and I was doing 70 and a 55. Whew. And a nice police officer stopped me. He wanted to know my name. <laughs> he wanted a picture of me, amen. He was real nice. I said, man, there's a man dying. His wife has just called me. And it really was true. He's had a heart attack and the doctors have said he's not going to live. And he has asked for me, let me go. And he said, I can't help it, sir. You were doing 70 and 55 and I don't let that happen through my town. Well, give me the ticket. And he gave me the ticket. He was very nice. Gave me the ticket. I took off and got there and sure enough, the man passed away. Well, I done his funeral. His wife, what you doing? His wife... His wife was the secretary of our sheriff. So here I am doing the funeral, and my sheriff comes up to me. I didn't go to him. I was speeding. I only go to God when I'm guilty and try to get out of it. Can somebody help me? He comes to me and says, I heard you got a ticket going to see Mike. I said, yeah, I did, sheriff. He said, give me that ticket. Whoa, here. He took it. I told Debbie, I went and paid my tomato ties on that. What's tomato ties? I learned a long time ago when pe people give you tomatoes, figure out what they cost and pay tithe on them, not just your money. So I found out what the ticket was. It was $240. I paid $24 tithe because that was a blessing. Are you with me? Pay tithe on all the blessings. At any rate, I'm out of this ticket. So later on, they asked me. We had a church had some problems, Brother Dale, and, and they asked me to pastor both churches for a little while. And so one was in Savannah. So I was coming home one night. I'd fasted. Tuesday's my fast day. I've been fasting. My pants was falling off of me, you know, because I'm fasting. I'd preach like a wild man, you know, and I'm all sweaty. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I always stop my fast after that service on Tuesday night. And I was thinking, there's a little place there, Popeye's. Anybody know Popeye's? I love that chicken from Popeye's. Amen. I was thinking, oh, Lord, if I can just get to Popeye's. Amen. And so guess what I was doing? 70 and a 55. Same spot, same police officer. Stop me. It was turkey season. I had my shotgun in the back, and he come up, and I said, now I got a gun in the back. He said, yeah, I didn't check that out. I said, okay, good. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. They're there, buddy. He come up and got my license, went back, and then he came back. He said, Mr. Moxley, we got a problem. Then he's got another Nice police officer on the other side of my truck with a flashlight. We got a problem. I said, no, 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 we ain't got no problem. I was speeding, 70 to 55. <laughs> Give me the ticket. I got to go home. No, sir. You failure to appear in court. My sheriff just asked for the ticket. He didn't do nothing with it. You need to step to the back of the truck. No, sir, I don't need to step to the back of no truck. I'm thinking police brutality, you know. I'm thinking, they're going to get me back there and beat me up. No, I'll sit right here. No, you'll get back here. So I go to the back. Put your hands on the hood. 
I think the guy was from California. He frisked me too long. Can somebody help me? Amen. I was thinking, I bet I know how he votes. Amen. Praise God. He frisking me. I keep a rock in my pocket to remind me that Jesus is my rock. He said, what is that? I said, it's my rock. He said, give me that rock. That's a weapon. I said, that ain't a weapon. Man, that reminds me that Jesus is who he is. He's my rock. I don't care. It's a weapon. I said, well, let me pull my truck over. You can't get in that truck. Why? There's weapons in that truck. He said, you're a felony. Felon. Felon. <laughs> Took me to the police station in the back of the police car. Takes me to the place. Frisked me again. I said, man, you done frisked me twice. Takes me back, makes me take my belt off. Now, now I done been fasting all day, and I'm preaching and I'm sweaty, so when my belt's off, my pants is falling down. How many of you know if you're as pretty as I am, you don't want your pants to fall down in prison? Can somebody help me? Amen. So I'm holding on to my britches. They took my shoes and give me some white looking shoes. Put me in a cell with two beds and one toilet. I said, y'all plan on arresting anybody else? They said, we might. I said, if you do, you're going to have to drill another toilet. I ain't using that one. Amen. The little old girl felt sorry for me. She called me out said, come here, I'm going to let you make some phone calls. I come out, I go by this here Barney Five on steroid guy. Amen. I said, man, give me my belt. I ain't going to hang myself and I ain't going to hit you with it. He looks at me and said, I'm going to tell you like I tell all these other punks. If you'd wear britches that fit, they wouldn't fall off of you. I've been preaching against sagging for 20 years, amen. Anyhow, they had to call my wife. She comes over and she's my bondsman. My God. Next day, the sheriff calls me. The sheriff of their town. He calls me in there and I apologize. Here's my number. You ever, if you rob a bank, you call me. You'll get out of it. He said, because listen, 20 years ago, I went to one of you little church of gods. I'm a tongue-talking Methodist. I said, glory be to God. He tore up everything, and then he called my sheriff. I said that story to say this. He called my sheriff, and he said, I want to arrest that pastor again. My sheriff said, what do you mean? He said, he's got everybody on my police force talking about that rock and how Jesus can save them from their sin. You see, you see, God put me in jail. He, he, he let me go to jail. I was sitting there, I was thinking, God, why am I here? God, I ain't belonging here. What's people going to say, God? But God was saying, no, 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 it ain't about you. I got you in a place where that Barney Five guy, he needs to know that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ is. Good God Almighty. We got to understand, it ain't always about us. You might be on that job your own because some grandmama was praying for the man that works under you to get saved and God heard him. So she said, I'm going to put him in that position. Sometimes God positions us. Then he leaves us. Look at Ezekiel. Now you got to watch this. Ezekiel, sometimes he puts us in a place. Well, let me just show you. Ezekiel 22, 30. God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy, but I found none. Now watch this. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Look what he says. How many of you know it's impossible for God to lie? He said, where two or three are gathered. So he's got him in position, and he's out looking for a man. 
He's out looking for a man to get in position. He's out looking for another man to get in. But before he gets this man, this is the way it happens in our country. Before he gets this man, this man then quit. So he gets this man and he gets him up. Then he goes look for another. He comes look for another. I know this ain't no man. But before he gets this one in position, this one's quit. So God spends all his time seeking instead of blessing. What would happen? What would happen if this brother says, God put me here. I don't care what devil comes my way. God put me here. No father. I'm going to stay here till I get more instructions. God, oh my God, help me. God leaves the longest who he trusts the most. Faithfulness leaves to favor. What would happen if we had a church full of people? That when we've done all we can do, we just stand. We just stand. The enemy's being promoted, but Esther said, I'm in position. The enemy's being advanced, but I'm in position. The enemy's got the king's ring, but I'm being I'm in position. What would happen if we just stayed where God told us to stay until he got everything in order, and then he pours out blessings upon us that there ain't even room enough for us to receive. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Watch this now. Watch it. Esther was positioned. And then, point number three, and I'm almost through preaching. That's the biggest lie I've ever told. I got a lot more preaching than that. <laughs> Esther done again. She done again what brought her into the presence of the king before. Look at Esther chapter five. Look at this now. Come here, my bear lady. Come here, come here, come here. You're going to be Esther now. How many ways I got to split that offering? That's about eight, ain't it? Amen. My Lord. How many ways can you spend, split $10? Amen. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I went to one time to preach 100, about 200 miles away. I got through preaching. The guy said, gave me a Dr. Pepper. But I said, God, thank you because I like Dr. Pepper. Could have gave me a Bud Light. I don't like, well, anyway, amen, amen. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Here Esther is. She done, no, I can't use you as Esther. I'm sorry, you got to step down. Debbie, you got to come up here, amen. Come up here, Debbie. Because people get a picture of me with her and Jessup, they'll use that again, yeah, amen. Stand right here, darling, amen. Esther dressed herself up to get in the presence of the king the first time. So she done again what got her into his presence. It was so that when king, wait a minute, let me back up. Go to verse 1, Esther chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day, on the third day, watch this. It came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. Now look at verse 2 now. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen, when he saw her, she wasn't, she didn't have her hair up in rollers. She didn't have stank breath. 
She didn't have on flippity flop flops. She was dressed in royal apparel. She had on the best she had because she remembered that what got me here to start with will get me there again. Because you see, it was against the law for her to come to the king unless the king asked for her to come. That's the reason Esther, let me back up, I skipped a verse. That's the reason Esther said in verse 16 of chapter 4, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan, fast ye from me, neither eat nor drink three days, night nor day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. But she went and dressed up in the royal. And the king, go back to verse 2 of chapter 5. Is this okay? Is this okay? Look what he said in verse 2. Look what he said. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, looking like she did when they first met. Holy cow. Wow. We went on a Daniel fast. We just got off of it. She lost, what, 18 pounds? She's down to where she was when we got married. I said, good Lord, have mercy. Before we went on that Daniel fast, she'd dress out a good 375 pounds. Amen. Now, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. When the king, <laughs> ain't you glad I didn't get you up here, amen, amen. It was so when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther, the golden scepter that was in his hand. And Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Now watch this. How many of you people in this building, you got heat and air in your house? Let me see your hand. How many of you, you know, there's a thermostat in your house? That thermostat makes it hot or that thermostat makes it cold. Well, let me tell you, I live at 83 Barrington Drive, Jessup, Georgia. I, we have a very nice home. But that right there is my thermostat. She determines how hot it is in my house. She determines how cold it is in my house. Amen. That's my thermostat. And so the king looked at his thermostat, and this is what he said. He said to the king unto her, What will thou, Queen Esther? In other words, What's the matter, honey? Any man ever went home and seen your wife kind of looking, what's the matter, honey? Are you with me? You get to thinking, what have I done? What have I done? I was okay when I didn't know what I had done, but now I don't know what I had done, so now I'm in trouble. What will thou, Queen Esther? What have I done this time? Did I leave my towel on the bathroom floor again? What will thou, Queen Esther? What is your request? I'll give it to you all the way to half the kingdom. Boy, she was looking good. <laughs> to half the kingdom. But Esther says, I don't want half the kingdom. Listen to me, church. Why settle for half the kingdom when you can have the king? Why settle for a new car, a new boat, a new house? Send me $100, you'll get a ring like this. Why settle for that kind of stuff? We think, I told my church the other day, we have reduced the blessings of God down to something we can touch, eat, or drive, or wear. If, if, if that's the blessings of God, then there's a drug dealer in my town named Gino. He's not in the, he's, he's on, he's in the jailhouse now. Amen. You want to know why he's in the jailhouse? He was selling drugs and hiring all the teenagers to hire him or sell his drugs. And I got so mad one day, I was up there preaching. I said, we're going to pray for Gino. He's the biggest drug dealer in town. I want us to pray that either God save him and I can hire him as a youth pastor. Because he can get kids to sell drugs. The youth pastor I had at that time couldn't get kids to come to a weenie roast. 
I'll hire him as a youth pastor or we need to pray God kill him because I'm tired of him using it. Next week, y'all, this is the truth. Next week, I was down at Myrtle Beach with the senior adults and, and a gang came over from Hinesville and shot it out with Gino, shot him in the belly. And, and Fox News came down and was interviewing everybody and they called me in Myrtle Beach. They said, Mr. Moxley, we want to talk to you about the shooting of Gino Evans. I said, I didn't do it. They said, but everybody we talked to says that preacher down there prayed for him. Why don't you go talk to him? And so Fox News called me, asked me to stop at their affiliate station in Savannah and interviewed me on the, on the Fox News. And they said, Mr. Moxley, have you been praying that Gino Evans would get off the street? I said, yeah, I did. I prayed that God would save him or kill him. Brother Moxley, if you got anything else to say, yes, I'm going to pray right now for all the drug dealers out there. Are you still with me? I don't know where I'm at with that. Where was I at? Amen. I, I don't know what. If, the, if it's real that God's blessings only come with finances, Gino Evans had more money than I got. Gino Evans had gold necklaces and drove cars that boom, 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 When he went down the street, I drive a Ford pickup. If, if that is true, then why does the drug dealer have more money? Why does the gigolo ball player have more money than Mother Teresa? We got to quit doing that, y'all. She said, I'm not going to settle for half your kingdom, king. I'm here for the king is what I'm after. I got to hurry up and finish preaching. But come on, come on. Now watch this. Look what he did. What is your request? What, what is it that you need? Notice the king offered her half her kingdom. Why settle for that when you can have the king? Look at verse 3 of chapter 5 of, of Esther. Esther chapter 5, verse 3. Then said the king to her again, What will thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be given thee to half the kingdom. And look what Esther said in verse 4 and 5. Then Esther answered, If it seem good to the king, let the king and Haman. Let the king and Haman. Oh my God. Let the king and Haman come into a banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, uh-oh. The king said, come here, brother, that can sing. Come here, brother. Come here. You're going to be my servant right now. Just be my servant. Now, here I am. I done walked over here to Queen Esther, and I done told her she can have half my kingdom. And she looked at me and says, what is your request? And she says, let me prepare a banquet. Banquet is a symbol of worship. Let me worship you and bring Haman, if you will. And so he looks at his... You go get Haman. There's, there's Haman. You go get Haman. Now, let me tell you, Esther told me for Haman to be here, you get Haman. If Haman's got a broke leg, you drag him here. But Haman's got to come. Haman's got to be here. So he went and got Haman. Come here, Haman. He went and got Haman. Now, I'm almost through preaching. If you can bear with me just a minute. I've preached a long time, hadn't I? Is this okay? Is this okay? Amen. You wouldn't have said it, yeah, if it wasn't a being. Amen. Praise God. The king said, cause Haman to make haste that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And then the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition? What shall be granted thee? What is thy request? And in even half the kingdom I will give it unto you. In verse 7, the answer, the answer that Esther said, my petition and my request is 
is. Look at verse 8. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come again to another banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. Here we are. Haman's here. We done went into the queen. We done went into the banquet she had prepared, and now I'm asking her, what, 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 what? And she says, come again tomorrow. Come again tomorrow. Come again tomorrow. I want to worship you one more time before I ask you what I want. How many times do we ask him what we want and then worship when he gives it to us? But she worshiped him twice before she asked him what, before she told him what she wanted. He said, go get Haman. Bring him back. But listen, while Haman's away at his house, the king can't sleep. I don't think I gave you these scriptures. You've got to read these on your own. The king couldn't sleep. And the king woke up and he got to looking through the record book. Come here, Mordecai. Just stand right there, Mordecai. Just stand right here, Mordecai. He got to looking through the record book and he found that Mordecai, a Jew, Mordecai, a Jew, had, had saved his life one time. And he said, what should I do for Mordecai? So he called Haman in. Before the worship service, he called Haman in. He said, Haman, what should I do for somebody that I want to really bless? And Haman thought it was him because he'd done been invited to the banquet twice. So Haman said, <laughs> put your royal crown on him. Give him your coat. Put your coat on him. Give him your coat. Put him on your horse and let one of the head people lead him around through town. And the king looked at Haman and said, that is a good idea. I want you to go do that to Mordecai. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mordecai, he's the one you want to kill. So he went and took the king's coat and he put it around Mordecai. He put the crown, I ain't got no crown, he put the crown on his head, just put it around his shoulders. He put him on his best horse and then Haman, he said, Haman, because you are the head man in my outfit, I want you to lead him away around town, just lead him like you're leading him, follow him. I want you to lead him around so all the people can see you, Haman. All the people can see you blessing Mordecai. Oh, my God. So when all the people come out, they'll say, look at this man with the king. Who's that leading? Who's that leading? But look at the man with the king. Oh, good God. Who is he? Now, that made Haman mad. It made Haman so mad. You can sit down, Mordecai. That Haman went and built gallows to hang Mordecai on. He said, I'm going to build some gallows that are just for Mordecai. Then, here's the next banquet. Haman's here, and they're in the presence of Esther. The banquet is great. The wine is great. Now the king says, what can I do for you, Esther? And Esther says, somebody's trying to kill me, king. Who's trying to, who's trying to kill you? Haman. The king is so mad that he spins around and walks out. And when he does, Haman runs and falls at Esther's feet. And says, please, Queen Esther, have mercy on me. And the king is out here and he's stewing. He's madder than a wet set hen. He's upset. And so he walks in and he sees Haman laying across her bed at her feet. He said, you not only want to kill her, you're trying to fool around with my woman. And he demanded Haman. He demanded guards. Come here, guards. He demanded the guards. You take him. You take him, I notice, oh good God Almighty, 
I notice there's a new set of gallows built out there. I want you to take Haman and hang him on those gallows. What the devil meant for evil, God turned into good. The trap he had set. My God, notice she worshiped the king in the presence of her enemy. Haman's presence, wait a minute, Esther. Please, Esther. <laughs> Haman's presence did not affect the relationship with the king. Haman, Haman. In other words, the presence of the enemy does not mean the absence of the king. Look at Psalms 23, verse 5. He has spread a table for me in the presence of mine enemy. Just because the enemy's advanced in your life, just because the enemy, just because you got more month than money, just because your wife has told you she don't love you no more, just because your daughter's come home and says, I had an accident, just because your son called you and said, I'm on drugs, just because the bank called you and said you're overdrawn, just because you've got an enemy and it seems like he's advancing, it does not mean the king has given up on you. You just keep doing You just keep doing. The enemy was defeated and humbled because Esther had favor. Today's your day of favor if we'll worship the king. Now, you got to look at this. Remember, wait a minute, Esther. Please. Please, Esther. Amen. Remember? Remember Haman? He was given authority. He was advanced and promoted. He was given the king's ring. That gives him power to do everything the king could do. But when he hung him, the king, look at Esther chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Look at this. Put it up there quickly. On that day, the king of Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the Jews. Come here, Mordecai. Come here, Mordecai. He gave the king, look at, he gave the Jews' enemy unto Esther the queen. He gave all the house of Haman to Esther the queen. Everything he had taken. I went to the enemies and uh, and Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told him what he was unto her and the king took off his ring holy cow he took off his ring which he had taken off of Haman and he gave that same king to Mordecai and Esther set Mordecai over the house of the enemy in other words the reason the enemy was being promoted was because God was getting ready to set his people over the power of the enemy. So just because, y'all can be seated, just because the enemy is being promoted at your house, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. If the enemy is advancing at your house, it could very well be that God's getting ready to take the power of the enemy and give it unto you. Now here, if I can get some musicians, if I can get some musicians, because y'all, I'm gonna be honest. I love preaching. I love preaching. I have preached when it was good and I have preached when it was bad. I have preached when people wanted me to quit and I had preached when people wanted me to keep going. Tonight, 
The preacher is in the house. I, I don't know when I have felt, and I know that probably ain't, y'all got one of the greatest, that ain't the greatest message you ever heard, but I cannot remember when I preached and felt the anointing like I do tonight. Now you hear me. You hear me. As they get ready to lead us in, as they get ready for us to prepare our banquet for the king, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Tonight, your enemy, it ain't somebody you can go get, but this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If your enemy is an addiction, I know people, because they got an addiction, they won't come to church. They got to get, y'all have that problem here? Well, I ain't good enough. I got to get cleaned up first. Ah, I love to fish. I ain't never, I love the white perch. We call them white perch. Y'all probably call them crappy or something up here. I don't know, but we call them white perch. And, 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 and when I pull one out, I have never, I have caught a bunch of white perch. But I have never caught one scaled, fried, and laying beside some grits and coleslaw. When I catch them, I always got to clean them. I got to gut them. Then, then Debbie's got to cook some grits and some, and some baked beans and some coleslaw and some taters. And, and then I can sit down and feast. Why do you think God's got to clean you up before he... Maybe your enemy is an addiction. Maybe your enemy is a temptation. Maybe your enemy is a tribulation. Maybe your enemy is low self-esteem. Maybe your enemy is insecurity. Maybe your enemy is a failure. Maybe your enemy is what somebody has said and you've letting it eat at you like a cancer. I could name enemies all night long. But this is what I want to ask you to do. They're getting ready to lead us in some worship. And before I even ask anybody to come to this altar, I want you to prepare the best banquet you can prepare for him. You know, I want you to give him your best praise. If your best praise is a dance, I want you to dance. Oh, he's telling us to dance. Nope, not if that ain't your best praise. My best praise ain't a dance. White boys can't dance. Are you still with me? I got a black man in my church, Chip. He can dance. He dances from one side of the church to the other side of the church every Sunday. Somebody says, why does he dance like that? And I'll tell you why. Chip had flea bites. He was the same age I am. I went to school with him. He, 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 he had flea bites, and, 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 and they was going to cut his legs off from the knees down. And he laid in that bed as they were getting prepared to amputate both his legs. And he looked up toward heaven. And he said, God, I can't preach. God, I can't sing. God, I can't even teach. But if you'll let me keep my legs, I can dance. And every time I go to church, I'll dance for you. The doctor checked him out again. The flea bites had dissolved that night. He kept his legs. So Chip, every time he comes to church, that's his best praise. Your best praise may be a clap. Your best praise may be a song. Your best praise may be a tear. Your best praise might be a lap around this church. But I want you to give him your best praise because he is. Esther put on the royal apparel. And she said, I want to prepare for you a banquet. And then she said this, when I come to the presence of the king, I want my enemy there. So after we offer him up a praise, after we offer him up a banquet, I'm going to ask you to bring your enemy. 
to bring your enemy to this altar before the king and let the king take care of your enemy while you make the request known unto him. Father, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of standing in this great church with these great people and share this great word. Now, Father, we're getting ready to do what I preached. Your word does not return void. If we do what's preached, we get what was said. Now, Father, we're getting ready to prepare a banquet of praise, a banquet of worship that is pleasing unto you. Oh, a banquet of wine she prepared for him. So, God, we want to do it with joy. So, Father, I'm asking you, take pleasure in this banquet. Because we're about to come into your presence and make our request known, Father. And our request is, God, to take care of the enemy that's been advanced, that's been promoted, that's been given power so that we can be set free. Would you stand with me all over this house? I don't know what our brother's going to sing, and it don't matter to me. But I, I want us to begin this praise individually. Individually. You see, the enemy... Let me tell you why the enemy hates us. If you read your Bible, and I'm almost through preaching, I promise you I am now. If you read your Bible, you'll find that the devil was the most beautiful angel in the, in the heavens. If you read Ezekiel, come here, brother. If you read Ezekiel, you'll find out that his body was made up of strings. Are you with me? His body was made up of strings, pipes, and tabrets so that when he walked, he made music. So God created us in his image. He gave us strings called vocal cords. He gave us a pipe called an esophagus. And he gave us tabrets to clap. He created us like he did the enemy for praise and worship. So when we use our strings, our pipes, and our tabrets, it makes the devil so mad he tries to rob you of your praise. But tonight I want us to start by using our cords, our pipes, and our tablets, and let's give him a praise from individuals before we do it corporally. Is that okay? I'm going to simply count to three just so we can be in one accord. Are you ready? I want you to give him the best praise you got. If it's a song, if it's a shout, if it's a laugh, if it's a cry, if it's a clap, if it's a whatever, I want you to be ready. Are you ready? One, God, we're going to do it because you're king. Two, God, we're going to do it because you're worthy. One, two, three. Let the people praise him. Let the people praise Oh, come on. Praise, the, praise him. Praise him. Lead us, brother. Oh, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Praises. Lead us, brother. Don't quit. 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 Praise him. Oh, come on. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Everyone who thirsts is welcome. Wow, wow, wow. All who hunger freely come. Get ready. Get ready. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.